like i wish no people were like that what is the uh the sister's name in arrested development doesn't she do that she like goes to protest just to like, be in a I, protest I have... I haven't watched enough Arrested Development to know, but I understand the the concept. Orsha Dorossi's character, hilarious. Yeah, yeah, I'm all good. It is the awesome lineup building show. We're looking at some of the top stacks and not all that much time to play with here. We've got a condensed schedule on the YouTube channel. We've got college football live before lock today, NBA deeper dive, NBA live before lock. Like this video, subscribe to the YouTube channel so you are aware when all of our content goes live. So, Matt, we are going to have to keep this kind of brief because we have a hard out today, but only a couple weeks left in the NFL season. This is also a pretty big slate with no bye week and no Thursday night, no Saturday night games. How do you feel about this slate overall? Hey, you summarized it well. I think it's a great dichotomy of the year in general. Some gigantic spread, some obvious spots, some high implied totals, and a struggle to get really above 50, 51 points in overall totals this year. That's been the story of the whole year. So even though it's a gigantic slate, it's kind of just same old, same old, some solid obvious spots. And then we got to kind of fight for these middle tier spots. We'll go into some today later on. And this is also one of the, why do you think the totals have been so much lower this year? Like, I think anybody who's watched football games will say, for whatever reason, the product has not quite been as crisp on the field this year, whether it's COVID or other situations. But why is it that we just have so many games where instead of getting some of these 53, 54 point totals, it is really rare to find games that have totals above like 48 points. Now, I'm going to definitely dig into the data and have a stronger answer for you at the end of the year, but I actually think the implied totals on a team-by-team basis have been the same year over year. But what I think we're seeing is some some solid turnover in teams who were good last year, who are no longer good this year, creating a lot of at least really high spread games. So the overall total is low, but at least one team's implied total within that is still pretty good. Okay, that's fair. That makes sense. It's something, I mean, there's certainly been a lot of more uh, one-sided and some weeks where there aren't that, as many watchable football games as been in the past and just kind of something I was curious to dig into. But now talking about the stacks for this week, there is a narrative at play here that I want to bring up. And starting with DraftKings stack, I wanted to talk about the Los Angeles Rams. They have the best overall leverage score in our stack store, which is something we use to build lineups on on this show. But I want to ask you this. We've got the we've got Cooper Cup. The Rams is uh, uh, I forget the exact number. It's like 18 catches and 239 receiving yards away from setting the single season record for receptions and yards in a season. Based on some of the comments we've seen from Rams players in the media, it seems like it's going to be a concerted effort by the Rams to get Cooper Cup the ball a ton in these last couple of weeks to break those records. Now they've already been getting the ball time. That's why he's in the mix to even break these records to begin with. But do you think this is something where they will go almost out of their way to try to get these records to Cooper Cup? I do think that this is a narrative we can follow somewhat. And when Once you get close enough at this point, and one of the, you know, they're trying to win. There's nothing wrong with the, you can have multiple objectives in throwing the ball to Cooper Cup on every play. You can, you can still aim to win games that way. And we've already seen games in the last three weeks. It's 13, 13, 15 targets. So even when the overall offense is struggling, Cooper Cup is still getting his. That doesn't change from week to week. So 
I'm I'm absolutely fine with him. Not to say that other players on this Rams offense aren't solid contrarian options. The best combination of floor and ceiling of any skill position player on the slate belongs to Cooper Cobb. Yeah, and the other thing, too, about this slate that kind of makes these stacks interesting, and I, I understand, maybe people watch this for weeks and be like, how come the Rams always come up? Well, they always grade out well in our top stacks, too, but the number two also, we only have 3% ownership going to Matthew Stafford on both FanDuel and DraftKings as of right now. That seems like a really low number considering his upside. Are you surprised to see people are getting off Matt Stafford after he struggled last week? I'm not surprised. I mean, it looked like a very solid matchup against the Minnesota Vikings who have struggled in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to both wide receivers and quarterbacks. And half of that came true. Cooper Cup had his typical Cooper Cup game while Matthew Stafford did anything but. But one thing I love about this Rams offense, specifically for tournaments, is that the second you add Matthew Stafford to the obvious Cooper Cup play, you differentiate yourself. You can add chalk all over your lineup, especially if you're just trying to win a small field tournament. Makes your job uh, in creating lineups a whole lot easier. All right, so let's start building some of these lineups. And, you know, a lot of times when we talk about Matthew Stafford, obviously this is not the first time we've talked about the Rams, not the first time we've talked about Cooper Cup on this show. It's, It's the combination we've talked about most frequently. Typically we make double stacks, Stafford, another receiver, For this particular slate, and if we are expecting a ton of volume to get targeted for Cooper Cup, do we still want to double stack Stafford? Is it okay to just make a single stack and just assume most of those lineups will end up being Cooper Cup Stafford stacks? Let's try it. Let's do single stacks and just kind of play with where our lineups go from there and see if we have any any, uh, players coalesce as sort of chalk options with that Stafford Cup stack. All right. So, Mike, lock in... Matthew Stafford, and then just do uh, Matthew Stafford, just stacking with one player, one of his wide receiver tight ends, add that as a stacking rule, uh, make sure that we have the randomness set to 30%. And I'm curious to see, Cooper Cup is without a doubt going to be the player that comes up in these lineups most frequently, but with the randomness set to 30%, and I'm not going to do any runbacks or anything. I'm just curious to see how Cooper Cup's the best play on the slate, in my opinion, especially I don't usually buy into narratives. I'm buying into this one. I have bet Cooper Cup to both lead the, to end up breaking the single season record for passing yards, uh, of receiving yards, I mean, and for receptions. It's, it's like my, it's like plus 200 and plus 175, uh, depending where you look. Now, what percentage of lineups with the randomness do you think are going to have Cooper Cup in them with Stafford as the QB here? Oof. Is it, what percentage of lineups? Is it going to be 70%? be 75%. Um, that feels like it could be a little high just based on what the price is for, for Cooper. I Cup, know you it's know? high, but let, let's see them. Mike, show us the results. Cause I'm, I'm curious to see what the number actually ends up being. So Cooper cup, let me make this a little bit bigger on my screen so I could actually see, cause I have horrendous vision. Cooper cup, pretty good guess. 78%, pretty lofty number, 78%. A lot of Cooper cup. I have no issues with that whatsoever. Some of the other wide receivers that pop up a bunch of these lineups to make it possible. Antonio Brown is in a ton of them. Same situation, Antonio Brown this week that he had last week. He's a little more expensive on DK. 6,100 is not nearly expensive enough with Chris Godwin out. And you look at the, the overall volume that we had for Antonio Brown, not just last week, but even in previous weeks when he was healthy. So last week, comes back from injury, had not played since week six. 15 targets for Antonio Brown, 10 catches for 101 yards. 
The last time we saw him play before that was week six. He had 13 targets, caught nine for 93. Any pushback against Antonio Brown popping up in a bunch of lineups as well? Not a single, single bit of pushback. Not at all. Um, the one thing I will say, if you head over to the running back position, I do see us getting to a ton of Sony Michelle. And so if I'm going to start filtering, filtering out some of these lineups, or I'm really trying to turn this crunch into lineups I would actually enter, I definitely want to start paying attention to how much Sony Michelle I'm, I'm getting to. I don't know if I want to strictly limit it, but we certainly don't want 100%. I know he's kind of that free square option this week, but we can't do that if we're expecting ceiling scores from the Stafford Cup stack. Yeah, last week, 27 carries for Sony Michelle for 131 yards. Some other running backs that are popping up here pretty meaningfully. Oh, tight end Tyler Higby also. So, you know, it's funny about some of these players, even though we only have it set for one pass catching option with, with Matthew Stafford, it's still giving us a bunch of other guys. Like, you see Tyler Higby's popping up a ton. I'll click back on wide receiver for a second, Mike. I want to see if there was any other Rams that popped up. Um, no, although Marquise Brown popped up on the other side. Uh, and then running back, like we said, there was a bunch of Sony Michelle there. So, yeah, I mean, still, we're getting to, even unforced, we're getting to a lot of double stacks here with Matthew Stafford, which goes to show how much value there is on the on the Rams this weekend. So it's certainly a team that I think makes a whole bunch of sense to to be getting to. And for for the FanDuel stack now, we'll, we'll move over to that. Unless, do you have anything else you wanted to add about this? I'm trying to move it along a little bit quicker than usual just because we have the hard out. No, absolutely. Uh, I will say that Sony Michelle being complete chalk actually scares me more than stacking up Stafford and multiple pass cap catching options. He looks like a really good value play because of the overall volume and volume is king in fantasy football. But the Ravens are, because of that decimated secondary, a significant pass funnel. They are much, much easier to pass on than run against. So I know the volume looks good, but I'm a little bit concerned about the efficiency for Sony Michelle. All right, so over on Fandle now, I want to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals. This is a team I want to make stacks of. We do have them as positively leveraged. Once again, I'm surprised with the ownership of Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow last week, over 500 yards, throws for you know, a million fantasy points. He ends up with totally broke the slate at low ownership. I'm thinking, you know what? A matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs. The field's probably going to go back to him. Maybe it'll be a good spot to get off him. No, he's a contrarian play. We've got 3.7% projected ownership for Joe Burrow over on FanDuel. Uh, DK Joe Burrow is projected for 2.9% ownership. Are you surprised that there isn't more recency bias at play here? I guess it's a sign of the evolution of the DFS player community. I, I guess so, but I, I honestly think it's a little irrational. It's not really point chasing when you're talking about the highest Vegas total game on the slate and a team where multiple skill position players have 30 point upside every week. And they literally just prove to us that multiple of them can hit in the same week. This is the exact time you do want to stack teams when both of them can hit their ceilings together. You're just playing the positive correlation that game then in adding Joe Burrow to the mix. Yeah, so that's something where, and you know, this is also why we need to rely on the data a little bit. It's hard to just guess what players' ownership is going to be. Then I look at it, it's like, really, people aren't going to be rostering Joe Burrow? Maybe that changes by the time the weekend rolls around. But at least as of now, we're looking at a pretty contrarian option in Joe Burrow coming off of one of the bigger games we've ever seen out of a quarterback for fantasy football purposes. So now the question becomes this. Do we want to stack with one or two of his talented pass catchers? Ooh, 
I want to do two, but I want to add running backs as well because we okay. already saw Joe Mixon get there as well with Burrow last week. All right. So, Mike, go into the stack rules and, oh, yeah, make sure we have the right slate selected. Good call by you because we do have, even though there is no Thursday or Saturday games, there is still the, the Monday night game. Uh, but let's go to QB. Sack him with at least two of his running back, wide receiver, pass catcher, uh, running back, wide receiver, tight end. So we're adding mm -hmm. potential to Joe Mixon into the mix here. Although I don't expect we're actually going to get to the tight ends in any kind of regularity, but you know, in a few lineups, it's going to become uh, important. But then also do a run back of at least one wide receiver, tight end from the Chiefs on the other side. And yeah, that's always going to make sense for, for some of these Chiefs lineups. Because obviously if the... Bengals are going to go out and have a high scoring power, high powered offense this week. Pretty good chance that the Chiefs on the other side with Patrick Mahomes, who's finally starting to look more like Patrick Mahomes, is going to do so as well. So now here's the big question we run these lineups. Who do you believe is going to be the pass catcher that shows up most frequently with Joe Burrow? It's been something that's tricky to nail down this year because it's been Jamar Chase some weeks, then it's T. Higgins, then it's Tyler Boyd. Week to week, it's pretty difficult to last week. You couldn't go wrong with any of them. But <laughs> right. for, for for this week, who do you think when we run our lineups through our projections is going to pop up as the most used pass catcher with Burrow? I think it's going to be T. Higgins, where you don't have to go all the way up in salary to the top tier, but as we saw last week, the ceiling is equally high here. You could easily have a 12 or more target game in this high, uh, this high offense expected matchup here. So I think it's going to be T. Higgins. All right, Mike, T. Higgins is the guess. Let's see if Matt Savoka is correct. It is T. Higgins. So T. Higgins is predominantly the wide receiver that shows up. The second most rostered wide receiver, Jamar Chase. C.J. Ozoma is making it into some lineups as a tight end, which it's not like he's somebody who's popping up in a ton of lineups, but he's in there a little bit. I'm actually fine with that percentages. Tyler Boyd pop, uh, popping up fairly infrequently, not like crazy in a crazy low amount of lineups, but how do you feel about that spread of pass catchers that we're getting with Joe Burrow? I actually think it seems about right. One thing we might want to do, however, Antonio Gibson is on the COVID list, so he's definitely out if he's getting in a lot of lineups as a prominent value play that might actually change the percentages at which we get the wide receivers. But in general, this is the expected list. I realize I'm going to have to boost Jamar Chase if I want him first on the totem pole here. But T. Higgins as a value option with a seriously high ceiling. Uh, I'm fine with him being the most rostered uh, skill position player with Burrow. And then uh, just scrolling through, who ended up being the player from the Chiefs that showed up most prominently in these lineups? I think was it, it was Tyree Hill. Kill? Yeah. yeah. Click on wide receiver, Mike. Was it Hill? Oh, yeah, it's Tyree Kill. So Tyree Kill ends up in just a ton of these lineups. And any, any, any issues we have with Ty you have with Tyree Kill being this, this, this much used in these Bengal stacks as a runback? It just means that you're probably going to get like 0% Cooper Cup. And you're, you're just basically saying you're fading Cooper Cup at that point because with that run back option of Hill and Burrow and a top tier wide receiver, you, you're using so much salary. You're just not going to get to another top tier player. And one of the reasons I use the DK stack for making the Rams as opposed to FanDuel, I think Cooper Cup's a much better play on DK than FanDuel this week. Number one, he's cheaper on DK, but then also the PPR bonus. 10-2 for him on FanDuel 
obviously he's still in play there. He's projected for 15% ownership. That just all seems fair to me. Like, I'm not going to go out of my way to force Cooper Cup into lineups when he's 10,200. How do you view him on FanDuel as compared to DraftKings? I am locking him in in cash games, but yeah. if you're talking about tournaments, you really don't need to. In fact, I think with this slate having so many slate-breaking tight ends available to you, as well as solid wide receivers all over the place, Antonio Brown's in an amazing spot, Tyreek Hill, obviously, Debo Samuels on this slate. you got a lot of options other than, other than going there. So uh, I'll play him in cash, but probably be under the field in tournaments, as scary as that sounds. Today's show is sponsored by Jock Market. If you guys are unfamiliar with Jock Market, head on over to your app store, download the app. When you're making your first deposit, use the promo code OSMO, get up to a $50 bonus on your first deposit. Also, they have a first market guarantee. So if you're a new user to Jock Market, playing on your first slate, they have a NFL cash market guarantee refunded up to $100. So you play $100 on Jock Market, it doesn't win your first slate, they're going to refund you. So really good options to get started on Jock Market. Most importantly, using that promo code awesome to get to a $50 bonus on your first deposit. Uh, getting back to the Chiefs before we head on over to our odd shopper stack of the week. What do you make of Travis Kelsey not showing up in many lineups and Tyree Kill really being the predominant option as a run back from Kansas City? Uh, I'm a little scared and I probably would end up boosting Travis Kelsey. To be honest, it, it, it looked like in those last six quarters of Chiefs play, that the Chiefs have finally turned the corner. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here, but they're 10th in PFF team offensive grades, starting to play closer to that 5-1 to one range where we usually see them, and Kelsey is a huge part of that. So uh, especially in tournaments, if I'm going with a game stack, I will make sure that I have a solid percentage of Kelsey. All right, final stack of the week. It is going to be the Odd Shopper stack. Mike, do us a favor. Head on over to oddshopper.com. And we'll look at which QBs have some of the best overall props of the week. And then we'll find one that we like the over on to build maybe a little more contrarian of a stack with. And the first thing that shows up when we go to the NFL bets here, look at that. We've got, uh, oh, we, we could really trigger Mike by doing uh, Taylor Heineke stacks against his Philadelphia Eagles. Mike, who I didn't see what Mike's wearing today, but he's almost always decorated in Philadelphia garb, whether 76ers, <laughs> Or it's uh, there we go. Eagles hat. Yep, Eagles always, hat. always, get, always can count on Mike for for some sort of Philly attire. But I don't want to do that to him. Let's look at Sam Darnold, who right there we have a pretty decent ROI on the over passing yards over under 196 and a half. That is something we expect to win 62 percent of the time for 25 percent expected ROI. We have him for 224 passing yards. So he's going to be extremely contrarian today or this weekend. We have him project for less than one percent ownership. There was some pretty significant upside in Sam Donald earlier in the season. And is he my favorite play on the slate? Absolutely not. But I think he's probably in the optimal lineup more than 0.2% of the time. <laughs> so if we're going way off the board with a contrarian option, we like overs bets on. Do you think it makes sense to maybe get some exposure to Sam Donald on a slate where nobody at all is going to be there? Let's contextualize this for a moment and say we're talking about trying to take down a large field tournament by starting with this stack. Absolutely. We're talking about a positive leverage play. We're still talking about a low overall percentage chance of being in the optimal lineup, but we are talking about a player that has a higher percentage chance than the field is expecting at this time. So 
I don't know if I'm ready to get hurt again with DJ Moore or Robbie Anderson, but let's fire up Cruncher. Let's see what it, it brings us. I know this this game total still sits at 37 and a half. So we usually don't we usually don't stack from games like this, but uh, I'd give it a whirl, especially if I'm trying to win a million dollars, something like that. Yeah, and the other thing too is that we've seen the upside from Sam Darn. I get that he's been terrible yeah. since the start of the season, but I'm going to bring up his game logs from the first few games of the year. Remember, this guy was breaking slates, so we can't say the upside doesn't exist because we've already seen it, and he was fairly popular at one point early in the season. If you look at his first few games of the year, he had fantasy point totals of week one against the Jets, 20 DraftKings points. Week two against the Saints, so the same team, 23 DraftKings points. Week four against the Texans, 28 DraftKings points. Week four against Dallas, Dallas a pretty well-regarded defense this year. 36 DraftKings points. We've seen the upside there. It just hasn't been there for a while. So everybody's like, hey, this Sam Darnold guy, get him out of our life. He lost a job to Cam Newton. Nobody wanted to play Cam Newton either. He sucked. But Sam Darnold has shown to have some pretty legitimate upside, even running the football. He rushed for, what is it? Five well, rushing that's touchdowns. The thing is you want, yeah, you want to see the rushing touchdown. So in fact, that in that actually affects my decision-making. We want to skinny stack Sam Darnold because the way he's gotten to his ceiling scores has been through rushing touchdowns that takes away from the passing touchdowns. So I don't want too many receivers here. All right. So let's do just a single stack, Mike. We'll do one wide receiver with him. The tight ends here. What are we going to roster like Trumbull with him? Or something? You know, like who cares about these crappy tight ends on the, on the, on the Panthers. We want to get to either DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, or whatever else ends up popping up. Do you, do you see it the same way? Yeah, it better be DJ more than Robbie Anderson. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not ready to be at like 50% Robbie Anderson. All right. Well, this we'll isn't see. last year. <laughs> we will, uh, we will see. Yeah, it's certainly not last year. Robbie Anderson on a dynasty team. And I, I didn't, I never knew what to do with him. I finally, I played him for a bunch of weeks at the beginning of the season. I finally gave up on him. And then he went off, but th- that course, aside, there's a reason, there's a reason my team is long, long dead in that league. Uh, and I think you're in that league also, actually. Um, yeah. So Panthers, we're going to cross our fingers. Now, we've projected DJ Moore pretty well for a lot of the season. I assume DJ Moore is going to be the most rostered pass catcher. But what would be a percentage that you feel comfortable getting DJ Moore in some of these Sam Darnold stacks? And also, if you're playing a hun- even playing 150 lineups, I doubt I'm going to get to more than like three to five Sam Darnold lineups. It's something that he's projected for 0.2% ownership. If you're playing him in three out of 150 lines, you're well overweight to the field on him. But still, just for the purpose of this exercise, what would be a percentage split that you feel comfortable getting to DJ Moore in these lineups? If I'm playing three lineups, I better see him in two. So if that's 66% for you, I, I if we're building 150 as we are in this exercise, I probably hope to see him in 60% of these optimal lineups. All right, let's say 60%. Are we going to be above or below that number, Mike? Show us the numbers. We've got... Oh, this is way too small for me. I can't see. What is it? Oh, it's, it's Robbie oh, Anderson. No. Oh, oh no. no. Oh, no. It's Robbie Anderson. Thoughts, reactions, uh, I feelings? guess I get it. Uh, is it. So I guess it's salary-based concessions, and it's it's helping us get to top tier receivers like Antonio Brown, Tyree kill. Basically the optimizer is, is basically annoyed with the fact that we told it to play <laughs> Panthers and then tried to optimize around us with the best value plays on the slate. So that's often what we have to do when we're trying to take down a million dollars, but we're not going to, it's kind of telling us we probably don't need to get here in small field tournaments. 
I'm going to say one thing that does make me feel kind of okay about these builds. Click on the wide receivers for a second, Mike. And, I mean, all of the other guys at wide receiver, we're getting to Cooper Cup a lot. We're getting to Antonio Brown, Tyree Kill. Like, these are crazy stars and scrubs types lineups when you have Sam Darnold at quarterback. Like, we're able to get Sam Darnold stacks, just play whoever else we want at other yeah. positions. And you can even you could play Sony Michelle. You could play the other chalk. It doesn't matter. You're playing a quarterback who's 0.2% owned. Just by that, you're going to be unique. And we only have a minute to go here, and then we have to get off, get out to turn it over to the next show. Just what do you feel about that when you see some of these lineups come out? And just stars and scrubs. You play every single high-priced wide receiver yeah. with Sam Darnold. Does that make you feel maybe this is a little more viable as a, as a GPP play? It is viable. I don't know if that makes it feel more viable to me. To be honest, a scrub stack is usually not the way I choose to differentiate myself in tournaments. I'm usually going to choose a much higher upside stack and then differentiate with one or two plays off of that. But it's certainly viable, again, to win large field tournaments. We're just playing the positive correlation game. And that's why we do this exercise, even with low probability plays like Robbie Anderson in 2021. That is going to do it for us today, guys. Sorry for the shortened show, but we've got other programming on the YouTube channel. Like this video, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and stick around for everything else we have coming up today. More NFL content. We've also got all of our NBA content later on in the day, and everything's always subject to change. So be up to date on all the news. Good luck this weekend.